And while we don't want to put the onus on the survivor, because it's not their fault. It's not their fault they're being harassed at work. Right. It's not their fault that they're receiving multiple phone calls and they're being followed or they're being, you know, questioned every time they walk out a break and and a, somebody of the opposite sex follows them out the door and they're being accused of whatever unknown things that's causing mm-hmm. them to lose productivity. As employers, we don't have to put the onus on them. We can we can find the resources. We can learn about ways that we can intervene and and ways that we can help and open that dialogue, have that conversation, be a safe place, start by believing. I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome once again to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. Today we have two guests with us. Rose Ludwig, Executive Director of DASIS, is going to join us, and also Deborah Hackworth, the Director of Advocacy Services, is back with us again. And welcome both of you. I know um, you are filled with great information that you're going to share with us today, as you always have in the past. Deborah, we're going to start with you. Um, And this may be well, maybe a refresher course. I don't know, but. (laughs) Um, we talk a lot about domestic violence and, and how survivors can come through it and, and find hope and healing. But we haven't really focused a lot on what causes domestic violence. So maybe we could start there. Okay, well, domestic violence is defined as behaviors used by one person in a relationship to control the other. Domestic violence can be physical, emotional, sexual, psychological, financial, and even online. Virtually everyone understands the importance of combating domestic violence and providing a way out for victims and survivors who want to escape and regain control over their lives. And we know that victims stay in relationships, violent relationships, for a variety of reasons. Um, From the outside, it might be hard for people to understand the reasons why they stay. Deb, could you tell us some reasons why they stay? Yeah, um, sadly, um, freeing yourself from a domestic violence situation is a lot easier said than done. There are many barriers that a survivor or a victim of violence have to overcome to be able to leave. There's the number one reason a person stays in a an abusive relationship is love. They love that person. The relationship seemed to have started out really well and then um, turned sour. Another reason is um, financial um, dependence. There are um, perpetrators who financially abuse their victims and they cut off their financial support or just control the finances so that person doesn't 
think they have any other reason. There's um, cultural obligations, religious obligations, children. Um, they don't want to be um, single parents. Fear, believing that their perpetrator can get to them anywhere, no matter where they go. Um, not knowing what resources are available to them. I mean, there are many different ways. Pets, they have pets in their home that they care for, and that is their um, companion. That's their comfort. And the perpetrator has said, if you leave, I'll kill your pets. Or not knowing where they can go and take their pets with them is another barrier to leaving a domestic violent relationship. And we know that domestic violence does not stay at home when victims go to work. So we want to talk today about what domestic violence looks like in the workplace. And um, sometimes you would think domestic, I mean, obviously that means like in your home, but people don't stay in their home all day. So if you are out working, whatever is going on at home is probably going to, could be in could interrupt the workplace, that sort of thing? Absolutely. It affects productivity. It increases absenteeism. It raises the risk of violence in the workplace. It costs employers hundreds of millions of dollars each year in increased health care costs. Um, with nearly one-third of American women, so 31% reporting physical abuse by a husband or boyfriend at some point in their life, it's certainly go going to affect individuals in the workplace. I mean, this isn't something that stays behind closed doors that is oftentimes stereotypically thought of as it's a private, it's a private situation and it's only happening at home. It's not only happening at home. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, more than 70% of U.S. workplaces don't have a policy or program to address domestic violence in the workplace. Say so, that again, more than 70 don't? More than 70% don't have. Wow. A, a domestic violence policy in the workplace. So oftentimes individuals don't know where to turn if they're being harassed or bothered at work. Um, they have to be excessively absent. They're getting written up at work. Um, they're not, you know, they're not able to produce. They're not able to concentrate when they are at work. Sometimes somebody is just waiting for them in the parking lot. You know, I've heard stories of individuals who are being driven to work and being berated all the way to the door and then dropped off at work and then they're supposed to go in with a smile on their face and perform and produce all day long. And sometimes that can be um, really oh, detrimental overwhelming, in, I would imagine. to the workforce. Right. Well, we think about, because I work in a school, so you always are very aware of, of what kids bring in with them, you know, the baggage that they may have had from home. It could have been a horrible morning and, you know, whether they're sleeping exactly. in class or crabby or acting out or whatever. I never would have moved it up to adults in the workplace. That just never entered my mind before. You know, you said 70% of um, workplaces do not have a policy, and that's because we're still under the assumption that domestic violence is a private matter that... Um, that needs to be dealt with in home, but actually it's a public matter 
that plays out in the home. Well, it's a public spills, health crisis. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's really spills what it is. over into um, every part of our life. Okay, so 21% of full-time employed adults report that they were victims of domestic violence, and 64% of them say that their work performance has been significantly impacted by their experiences. The annual cost of lost productivity is estimated at $728 million, with over 13.5 million paid lost work days per year. So 13.5 million sick days because of domestic violence. So we do know now that lawmakers are beginning to get involved with changing expectations and requirements for domestic violence survivors so that if they're calling in sick, they can't be penalized if they're in the hospital because they've been injured due to a domestic violence incident. So we're hopeful that those things will start changing. We are really hopeful that employers will start to pick up on the fact that they need to open the dialogue in their HR departments for domestic violence survivors to be able to come in and say, hey, I've got this problem, you know, I'm, I'm being, you know, I've got a problem at home and it's following me to work, you know, maybe they feel unsafe walking to their car. Maybe they get out after dark, you know, when the weather changes here in Michigan, we all know that it gets dark around five o'clock. Right. So if you're clocking out at 5 PM and you have to walk across a dark parking lot, maybe you've just recently fled your assailant, you're in a dangerous situation. So we want that dialogue to be opened so that these individuals are able to go into these HR departments and say, hey, can security walk me to my car? Could I have a closer uh, parking space to the building? Um, um, Maybe another thing they could do is um, understand when they're receiving multiple phone calls, um, start taking notes about those phone calls, um, keeping track of emails and things that prove that these individuals are being harassed in the workforce so that um, they can they can come to these HR departments, find out what resources are available to help them to be able to, to find the help that they need to be able to combat the situation. Which on a domestic violence um, point of view, you want to help, they, they need help in their family life. But if the employer is saying, well, I can't intervene with that. But you can intervene because if you're looking at increasing you know, the productivity of your employees or keeping, you know, the environment at the workplace on a positive note and being able to help people that, you know, need help at the workplace. Absolutely. And while we don't want to put the onus on the survivor, because it's not their fault. It's not their fault they're being harassed at work. Right. It's not their fault that they're receiving multiple phone calls and they're being followed or they're being, you know, questioned every time they walk out a break and, and a, somebody of the opposite sex follows them out the door and they're being accused of whatever unknown things that's causing Mm -hmm. them to lose productivity as employers we don't have to put the onus on them we can we can find the resources we can learn about ways that we can intervene and that and ways that we can help and open that dialogue have that conversation be a safe place start by believing it's kind of interesting that a lot of the things that you mentioned have sort of been put in place on college campuses and universities with being able to to not have to specify why you want someone to walk you out or if you're in the library late in the evening they have people that will walk you to your car or those kinds of things so um and carrying it on through then as as people get older and come into the workforce you know being able to to keep those things in place makes perfect sense absolutely and you know it's our desire especially at DASIS we want to help employers and any individual really to be able to open that dialogue to be so this is not a taboo subject 
if somebody's suffering, we don't want them to suffer in silence. We want them to be able to come forward and say, hey, I need help. And if we can help employers develop a way to do that, we want to do that. We want to be a resource to them as well as to to the individual who may be um, experience, who may be experiencing domestic violence and who may be having trouble at work. Um, so if an employer wanted to get a hold of you, they could check the website, dasismi.org. Absolutely. And an employer could also call the 800 number, 800-828-2023, um, and state that they're an employer and that they would like some resources to be able Absolutely. to help their we can employees. provide them with resources on how to identify that these things are going on in their workplace maybe what some of the risk factors are um, what some of the signs and symptoms are of an individual who may be suffering the hands of domestic violence um, there are there are things that they may be able to recognize like um, maybe the person is arriving to work late every day or maybe they're using an uh, an excessive amount of unplanned time off maybe they're they're experiencing decreased productivity with that individual mm -hmm. um, tension around receiving multiple personal phone calls at work wearing long sleeves or sunglasses on a on a hot day mm -hmm. um, difficulty making decisions difficulty concentrating on tasks avoiding windows um, repeated discussions about marital problems so sometimes they may not be coming to their HR departments or their supervisors with these, but they're definitely talking to the people they're working with. Um, maybe they're getting flowers sent to work and they're not necessarily happy about it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, bruises, chronic headaches, abdominal pains, muscle aches, um, vague and nonspecific medical complaints, signs of fear, anxiety, or depression, um, intense startling reactions. So maybe they get scared very easily. Um, so these are some of the things that you may just you may just pass as that's normal or they've just got something going on. But it's okay to say, hey, is everything okay? Is there anything we can help you with? Um, and as a survivor, um, there are steps that you can take. You can ask yourself, uh, do I feel afraid of my partner? Uh, and maybe they're ready to look for options. So if you have those options readily available for them and those resources available for them, um, you know, you could be that one person that right. could help them. Right. You're not expecting the employer to fix it. You're just giving them resources so that the victim is able to reach out to people who can help them through yes, this. Yes, absolutely. Safety planning. We are um, a big... Um, advocate for um, safety planning around um, victims so that they can be safe in whatever situation that they're in. And so um, if you're experiencing domestic violence and it's affecting you at work, um, you can talk with someone at the workplace that you trust, such as a supervisor, a human resource manager, or an employee assistance counselor. Notify security of your concerns. If you're being, if you're trying to leave the relationship and that person is showing up to your work and your work has security, you may want to show security a picture of your assailant or stalker so that they know who to look out for. Um, have your call screen. 
transfer harassing calls to security, or remove um, your name and number from automated telephone directories. Review the safety of your parking arrangement. Rose talked about having your parking space moved closer to the building or having someone walk out with you. Ask coworkers to call the police if your um, partner threatens you. So many times people don't want to get involved because it's not their business. But if you see something, say something. Let your coworkers know it's okay. Please call the police. Um, ask about flexible or alternate work hours. Ask to relocate your workspace to a secure area. Um, review safety of your child care arrangements. Give a picture of your um, abuser to the child care provider. If you have a personal protection order, make sure that the child care provider knows about that. One lady asked me, told me that she was afraid that her um, estranged husband would come and steal the children um, from the child care provider. And so I said, every morning with your cell phone, take a picture of your children so you know what they're wearing. So if the father does come and get the children, you have an accurate description of what they look like that day. Um, notify your supervisor or manager of the situation um, and the possible need to be absent because um, your employer can't help you if they don't know. And discuss options with your supervisor or um, human resource administrator. Involve your um, counselors in the area if necessary, and the counselor can also assist you in developing a safety plan. The effect of domestic violence in the work that comes to the workplace doesn't only affect that victim or the or um, their bottom line. It affects their coworkers also, because I know in our agency um, we're very close, and what um, and so if we have concern for one person, everyone is concerned, and so there's concern for that, um, and sometimes even coworkers will fear that the violence will come to the workplace. Um, for uh, many years, there were people who were coming in and shooting up workplaces, and so it in, it negatively. Um, impacts the whole um, company and so it would be in the best interest of um, businesses to create a um, plan around domestic violence policies around that and that's something also that um, domestic and sexual abuse services can aid these um, companies in doing is developing policies around domestic violence and safety for all of their workers. That sounds exactly like what's needed. So truly, if you are an employer and you would like some more information, we would love to have you give us a call, 1-800-828-2023. And we do have a lot of information on our website, basismi.org. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Org, or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. 
That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.